Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as The Dad Author on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I've travelled to Surrey to speak with Elle Wright from Feathering the Empty Nest. Elle speaks to me about the death of her son, Teddy, and how it shaped her outlook on life. You can find Elle on Instagram and Twitter as Feathering the Empty Nest. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment wherever you are listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay, so today I have traveled to sunny Surrey to meet with someone who is uh, extremely inspirational, someone that I follow on Instagram, and it's Elle Wright from Feathering the Empty Nest. Hello. Hello, thank you for having me. For the listeners, are you able to share a little bit about who you are and what you do, please? Yeah, of course. Um, So my name's Elle. I am a mum and a wife. I live in Surrey. I write a blog, Feathering the Empty Nest. Thank you for that introduction. Um, Which is a lot about our home and um, how I have come to enjoy all of the things that I enjoy and um, do what we've done with it. But um, the other part of my blog, I suppose the more serious part of my blog and what has enabled me to reach out to so many people is writing about our son Teddy. Uh, Teddy was born in 2016 and he died neonatally so in the first few days of of his life Um, and it just spurred me on the following year to start trying to connect with other parents and I felt this need this instinct almost to want to reach out to other people and um not just share Teddy's story but share it in a way that would enable other people who were in those really early days and weeks of grief to see that you can get through it that you're going to be okay and that became a big part of what I wanted to do and set out to do really (laughs) No, it's, I mean, it's amazing to, to see your story and, and how it's unfolded over the last few years, you know, in the extremely unfortunate manner that it has done. But it's, it's helped so many people out there from what I've seen. And are you able to just share with our listeners, you know, obviously you've touched on it already in terms of, you know, your grief, I guess. But yeah. how you found that experience of grief over the last couple of years, I guess. Bloody hell, it's a roller coaster, isn't yeah, it? it? Yeah, is. and I think... Um, for me, I have felt some of the absolute lowest lows, like beyond anything that I could ever articulate. Um, and then also like some amazing stuff. Some I have been able to connect with other parents who have also been thrown that set of cards and are 
wading through it and trying to work out a way and I was really fortunate that in the early days after Teddy died I used Instagram to connect with other parents and um, formed a brilliant group of mums called ourselves the Warriors started a WhatsApp group um, and they are very much my friends you know three and a half years later and it's been incredible to be able to have them for support on those days when you think you're losing your mind um, and you think that nobody understands that has been a huge part of my healing process I think yeah it must be incredibly healing to have that community yeah because actually one of my questions is how you how you've built your community over the last few years and how you initially found it because we I mean we talked a little bit earlier um, just about the blog and how you got into that yeah you you happy to share how you actually started the writing process of you know sharing your experience of course so um teddy died in may 2016 and um i was obviously on maternity leave for the remainder of that year because fortunately in the uk we live in uh, by law if you go on maternity leave and um you have have left on those terms that that is yours to take whether your baby is here or whether your baby is not and i think when your baby is not here and you have just been through something like that, you need to take as much time as you need to take. And there will be a lot of people who will say, when are you going back to work? Why don't you get back to work? Why don't you get back to normal life? Well, no, because my life's never going to be normal again, is it? You know, it's it's not going to be anything that I recognise as normal. And I accepted that quite early on. You've changed as a person, haven't you? Totally. You've gone through that. Totally, because you've kind of crashed through this barrier into this new world where you've been shown that absolutely anything is possible and not necessarily in the good way that we're all led to believe oh anything's possible you get shown when you when you lose somebody that you love that anything is possible and it and you're not exempt it doesn't it doesn't it discriminate it can happen to any of us at any time and I think it kind of really shines a light on that part of your life and for me it was a huge huge wake-up call and I decided to use that time and and take some time off to to grieve and um heal and physically heal I think from a nine-month pregnancy you know pregnancy is hard on your body as I'm sure your wife will tell you you know and it and and you have all of the the physical healing and the emotions and hormones and everything and so I took that time I used Instagram as a form of escapism, really, and uh, was lucky enough to meet a really lovely group of girls through Instagram um, who were also sharing about their babies. We'd all lost babies within kind of six months of each other. Um, We formed a WhatsApp group. A lot of them were already writing at that time. I suppose that was a few months after Teddy died. And I used to read their blogs um, and their Instagram posts and all I was really doing was fundraising because we'd started fundraising for the neonatal unit in the weeks after Teddy died. And that was all I was really doing. And and that was all I kind of felt capable of doing. Mm. I did not have the headspace to sit and start writing about the fact my son had just died. I had no want to do that. Um, and then later that year in the autumn, we found out we were expecting another baby And then we sadly went on to lose that baby at nearly 15 weeks of pregnancy at the beginning of 2017. And I think that for me was kind of a a turning point where I just felt like I was being dealt 
bad hand after bad hand and I didn't know why and I just I can remember saying to my friends the only thing I feel like doing is going out into the street and screaming up at the sky and shouting at the universe like why why have you picked me um and it was so frustrating and heartbreaking and I just remember thinking on the days when things were brighter and I could still be normal inverted commas whatever that is and I felt like I could laugh or see my friends and then the next day would be a horrible day and I thought you know this is I feel guilty about everything and 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 actually I still have my sense of humor and in many ways I kind of am still me that part you know those bits were still there and I couldn't find anybody who was writing and talking about grief how I felt about it in that moment was it talked about much on Instagram like you said you started to find a few people who you know you'd connected with but at that point in time were there many people actually sharing their own experience at that point it was kind of the ball was starting to roll it was sort of starting to gather moss if you like it was um and and I, I genuinely believe that that is down to some of my really great friends uh who started that and the, the girls who were in the the warrior chat with us um michelle writes an amazing blog uh called from the other chair she's a therapist um but she's actually a doctor in psychotherapy sorry michelle um <laughs> and is an incredibly talented writer and at the time was was writing about her daughter orla who was stillborn two weeks before teddy was born and she had a blog called dear orla and it was letters to her daughter um but also her musings and writing and I really think that Michelle was kind of one of the first really hard-hitting pieces about losing a child that were able to break through the barrier of getting that out to an audience beyond those who had lost that's how I feel and it and it was she was doing lots of um lots of things campaigns and getting involved with Tommy's the baby charity and it I found it really inspirational I really did and I think what I then started to do on my blog was something a little bit different so it was still writing about Teddy but I also decided that you know I was going to write about all the things I'd then done in those eight months since he died like how how had I got through those eight months what had I used every day to get up in the morning swing my legs around from the side of the bed and decide that I was going to do that day that I was going to partake um and so I started writing about all of those things and for me that was our home because that became a huge project um and other things that I loved you know walking and yoga and you know all the things that I found incredibly healing and I started to intertwine all of that into writing about Teddy and my emotions surrounding losing him. And I think that was potentially what made my blog gather traction because it wasn't just aimed at people who'd lost a child. It was aimed anybody who was having a crap time and kind of wanted a bit of escapism and wanted to know what they might be able to use to to help it. I mean, that's an amazing way that you got to the point of writing an actual physical copy of a book isn't it <laughs> ask me his name you know, <laughs> know. is that diary know. of you after yeah. your loss you know yeah. which is incredible and you know and I'm sure it's something that a lot of people would probably like to do um you know like I always say grief is individual people deal with it in their own way and that that must be a really helpful way for some people just to read your book and then go, okay right I'm not alone 
take take from it what you want to take from it. They're, I always say whenever I'm talking about grief, I am I am not an expert. I am not and do not set myself up to be, you know, the Dalai Lama of baby loss. That's not where I'm going here. I just happened to find a voice and build a platform. Um, because when I started writing my blog, I didn't have thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram. I had like my mates and my mum following me and, uh, you know, a few hundred people. And, and it just snowballed yeah. totally out of control and out of out of the kind of realms of anything that I had imagined it would be and it, I don't think I really had a plan and that was perhaps what made it quite wonderful in a way because I wasn't aiming for anything no, I it was just a natural <laughs> was flow in, wasn't it yeah, and, and you found your community and people are connected with you and you know like you discovered your friends yeah. people were discovering you so you know it's and that, that was way. kind of how it how it goes and it's sort of that domino effect. it's ripples isn't it you know you you drop something and the ripples go out further than you could ever imagine um but losing a child is like that you know your child dies but the ripples of teddy dying I know has affected so many more people than just me and my husband and our close family because it does it shocks people to their core um and so, yeah, writing a book was never my never my intention, but that was how it manifested. <laughs> but I think that's why I'm here today, because the story is so powerful, you know, and a lot of people would probably, well, might want to shy away from, wanted to talk about it, but you haven't. You've put it out there to the world and said, look, this is important that we share this because um, a lot of people might not want to talk about it, you know, so you're helping them in that process as well. I hope so, and I hope that it doesn't just um, empower those of which who have experienced loss. I, I want it. What I always say about the book is don't read this book because you've lost a baby, read it because you haven't. And that is kind of the message that I want to get out is that until my son died, I didn't go looking for stories about people whose children had died for obvious reasons because it's terrifying it's a thought that our brain doesn't even want to go there why would it um and as a result I knew nothing I knew absolutely nothing and there I was landed in this horrible new world that actually turned out to be a really loving community but it's as any grieving parent will tell you it's the club that nobody wants to be part of and yet here we are um and yeah I just felt that connecting with with people was was really important and that actually connecting with that wider audience and enabling them to be able to say something else other than I'm so sorry because that was what I found well that's either it's also a bit like the podcast in a way it's sort of edu- trying to educate people in terms of how maybe you can approach somebody who's gone through that themselves yeah. you know from an outside perspective yeah. you know because like we know when people are grieving and we talk about it all the time on the podcast is they don't know what to say or they might cross the street or they might you know so um so yeah I think your book has obviously helped those people as well like you said um and the title you know the title of the book was never really planned it was never you know ask me his name from the beginning uh we kind of had different working titles we had all, all kinds of ideas being battered around and it wasn't until about maybe two months two three months before the book came out and we sat down with the publisher and my um, literary agent and my editor and people from their marketing team and we went round and round and 
I just wanted it to be something that was a continuation of that conversation. Because the way that I saw it is that people would say to me, do you have any children? And I would choose in that moment whether I was strong enough to tell them the truth that day or whether I was never going to have to see them again. And I could just protect my own heart and, and move the conversation on. Um, and I would sometimes choose to tell them about Teddy. And then they would say, oh, I'm so sorry. What's the weather like today? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and and that to me was like the ultimate kind of, I've just take that's taken everything I've got and I think particularly in those early months you know up until the first couple of years after Teddy died that would sometimes take all the strength I had that day to be able to say that out loud um and then just to be to be to be met with you know I'm so sorry um and then that's the end of the conversation it's hard isn't it you know I mean I've experienced myself with my dad it's oh what do your parents do you know jobs for instance yeah well my mum does this and what about your dad you know you're like uh, do I have yeah. to go into this you know and it takes strength like yeah. you say to actually muster up the courage in a yeah. sense of talking about um Teddy or my dad you yeah. know and, and and telling these people because the reaction like you said yeah. is like oh <laughs> and yeah. then they don't know what to say yeah and you don't want to ruin their day exactly do you, know, do you get yeah. that I yeah. get you don't that guilt like bring down yeah you want to bring yeah. down the mood um and you and actually it's it's that I think it's another element of guilt that you carry around with you because you're you're trying to protect everybody else from that pain. Um, and actually, the I think what we need to understand in society when we make kind of chit chat like that, that actually we need to be prepared that the answer that we're going to get is not necessarily the answer that we envisaged. And it could be quite shocking. Um, and we kind of need to all be educated in how we're going to deal with that and what is our response going to be so that was what asked me his name as the title was about it was a it was about giving people permission giving them the, the access to that here's where we go next yeah. it doesn't have to be that question but that's a nice one mm -hmm. so and actually as any bereaved parent will will probably tell you it, it's lovely to hear somebody else want to know who your child was and what their name was and that they existed because it makes them real again. It doesn't make them a, oh God, we shouldn't talk about this. So I always say it's the bereaved want to talk about the yeah. people that are no longer here because, exactly. you know, they, you know, you grieve because you love and they, the special memories that they hold in their heart and their heads, you know, they're, they're there for a yeah. reason and that's to talk about them, isn't it? You know, totally. And that um, on yeah. that, you grieve and love the um the vicar who came to see us after teddy died and um i mean i'm not particularly religious in any way but i didn't really know what to do so we just got vicar around and and he sat and i was really worried that he was going to start going you know really heavy at me that you know there was a reason and and i was terrified because i thought i'm not in the place to deal with that um and he didn't he spoke to me like a grandfather and a father which he was and he was so lovely and he said to us grief doesn't last forever but love does mm. and that is the most poignant thing anybody said to me in the it's entire lovely. time yeah. and and that is kind of I think so true when like you just said you know you lose a loved one and that grief you know it comes and goes it ebbs and flows it's stronger some days but it's not that intense grief that you feel when someone dies it doesn't last forever but your love for them does no, stronger yeah exactly yeah. yes yeah. So, yeah, he was a very wise man. He sounded brilliant. Um, okay, so 
One thing I think it'd be great to talk about is Tommy's charity. Yes. Because you're a big advocate and big part of, of those guys. Try and, to and be, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if you're happy to share just about what, the work they carry out and how important they are, you know, to you. So, yeah, Tommy's are really important to me and um, I know thousands of other parents and particularly, you know, anyone who's been affected by miscarriage, stillbirth, neonatal death. Um, the research that they do in the UK is... I mean, second to none. They they have um, purpose-built research centres and clinics across the UK. They've just recently opened a, another centre. Um, and they are aimed at supporting parents uh, when they lose a baby through miscarriage, stillbirth or neonatal death, but also supporting them through uh, subsequent pregnancies. So, you know, if somebody is... is um, experiencing recurrent miscarriage then Tommy's are able to help them and support them to maybe find out why um and actually how do we get that person pregnant and keep them pregnant for the whole duration you know how do we deliver a baby full term safely into the world um and that is you know their their mission statement is they want they want to prevent miscarriage and and stillbirth but more importantly not just working towards that they understand that where we are at the moment with the statistics the way that they are at the moment it's still happening and actually as long as it is still happening we can't just focus on trying to make it stop we have to focus on the support that is given to those parents for whom it is too late and yeah. you know that is a big part of what they do so they're based up in Manchester um, they do an incredible amount on social media now I think the way that Tommy's are playing it as a charity online and how they're getting everyone involved mm. is you know probably how every charity should do it in my eyes because I think you know as as women in particular you know we don't want we don't want any other women to have to experience a, a miscarriage, a stillbirth or a neonatal death. And, you know, when you hear the statistics of one in four pregnancies, 25% of pregnancies end in loss, 15 babies a day are dying in the UK. And that by that, I mean, I mean, full term babies. I mean, babies that are not, it's not a miscarriage, it's not a late miscarriage. It is a baby is delivered into this world and is either born still or, or dies shortly after and that is a really terrifying statistic because that means that there are thousands of families every year who, like we did, walk out of the hospital without their child. And it kind of blows my mind that, you know, we're, we're still kind of looking at statistics like that. But at the same time, it's marvellous to think that there are charities like Tommy's who are there to improve on those statistics and to support the parents that has happened to well, it's amazing that they're out there for like you say yeah mothers families that are going through that and they're really great with their campaigns the way that you know they try and explain to everybody you know how that research has come about what how they now know that it's safer for women to sleep on their side in pregnancy or how you know what we can do to reduce risks that they launched a brilliant campaign last week which I wasn't able to make it to sadly because we were away um and the new campaign is tell me why and it is aimed at women uh, parents wanting to know why they experienced a stillbirth or, or a miscarriage and they've kind of done a huge amount of research and culminated all the questions that people have come up with and some of the the 
you know, it's, it's, it's us as human beings punishing ourselves, you know, as in why did it happen to me? You know, was it because I went to a party? Was it because I worked too hard? Was yeah, it there because... There must be so many question marks over, yeah, like yeah. you're saying. And they are striving to try and get answers for everybody. Mm. And that is so important. I think um, we're incredibly lucky with um, the circumstances that surrounded Teddy's death in that we had an incredible team of neonatalists looking after him. Um, and before he died, they were able to take lots of samples, you know, live tissue, urine samples, all of those things. And he, after after he died, about three or four months later, we found out that he had been born with a metabolic condition. Um, so basically his, his entire metabolic system didn't work. So oxygen was poisonous to him. Um, and it was something that happened at the time of conception so it was a lightning bolt strike moment so my husband and I have both had all of our um genetics tested and neither of us carry anything that could be passed on to a child um but we know that we were incredibly fortunate that because Teddy had lived and then died they were able to give us an answer um so although sometimes it haunts you in the kind of well, why me way I don't have that question mark hanging over At me. At least you guys know. What happened? Yeah. What happened? But why? What happened? Could it happen again? We've been told no. The chances of it happening in the first place were, you know, 250,000 to one or something. And so I, I'm not battling with that every day, but I know that there are parents who are every single day waking up and thinking, well, why, why did that have to happen to us? And, and never getting an answer. And that's what Tommy's wants to put a stop to. Oh, that's fantastic. I know <clears throat> from our experience, you know, my wife has, has had a few miscarriages and, you know, and we saw an amazing doctor before we had Thea. And thankfully, Simone was able to get pregnant again. And uh, yeah, so the whole you know, question mark is quite, is massive, isn't it? It's so. huge. And it's nice to know, I think when you, as you've experienced, you, when you have a, a great consultant or a great medical team looking after you in that situation where you, where you're trying to get pregnant, you want to have another baby. Um, it's a really nice feeling to know that somebody's in your corner, like mm. somebody's batting on your team and they're looking out for you. And that's what Tommy's do for so many parents. No, it's an incredible charity. Um, right. One thing that I would love to ask in terms of a father's perspective, was your husband supported uh, after the experience with Teddy and his loss? I think that's a really good question because in my eyes, I don't think he was. I think not certainly not from what is provided by the, you know the national health and the care providers all of the the uh, care seems to be focused towards the mother um everyone rallies around the mother which you know in many respects is understandable because as i've said full term pregnancy or you know any pregnancy it takes its toll uh, on your body um i gave birth to Teddy through induction but you know there could be women who are recovering from a cesarean section or emergency operation or any kind of intervention and I think we kind of forget all of the sort of emotional stuff about the fact that the baby's just died and we kind of tend to focus more on the physical and the okay we've got this person here who we need to look after because she's just birthed a baby and it's died um and so the dad then becomes part of the support network so I spent my entire time after Teddy died saying to Nico, my husband, but are you okay? Yeah. But are you all right though? What can I do for you? Um, and, you know, the, the bereavement midwife would come and see us 
but she's she's looking at me and talking to me and Nico's kind of just there you know on the on the sofa as sort of an add-on do you know what I mean it's it's really tough and you get sent out of of hospital with a bundle of leaflets I mean you you know you've just lost your child and you've got a bloody bundle of leaflets telling you <laughs> you have to laugh because it's just ridiculous but you know the the funding and the staff and all of that I understand that we need to be better at putting these things in place so that so that everyone in that scenario is looked after um and it's great actually now to see through social media so many more dads sharing child loss stories yeah. um as I said I've I'm I'm aware that our story is just one perspective one story of child loss um I'm not trying to speak for everyone at all and I totally understand that everyone's situation is so different and actually you know when we talk about the dads or or the partner in the relationship it's not always necessarily a male now you know there's that's that's what it's the it's the person it's the person who didn't carry the baby like what does their support look like and you know I think I think we need to be better but it's I think it's brilliant that there are partners and fathers who are writing blogs and sharing on Instagram because hopefully you know that will start to build more of a community I know that my husband has begun to sort of follow and connect with other dads um that is the power of social media, isn't it? That's yeah. the positive side of it. You know, yeah, say what you that, want about it. Say what you uh, want no, about it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it has its yeah. pitfalls. Which everyone but, does, don't they? We all exactly. moan about social media, but then, you know, sometimes, sometimes these amazing, amazing things come from it. And, you know, for that, I think we need to be really thankful because if it wasn't for Instagram as a platform, I would not have got through the last three and a half years. I know yeah. I wouldn't have. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is the great thing about yeah. it. Yeah. But, um, like you said, maybe there is a bit more work that can be done to support fathers out there, but it's great to see fathers or partners, you yeah. know, um, out it's there. It's starting. Yeah. It's starting. And I think that's the brilliant thing. There has to be um, a starting point mm. somewhere. Um, and then it will start to gain some traction and we'll start to get somewhere with it. My friend Jess, actually, I will just mention her. She has an account on Instagram called The Legacy of Leo. So Jess was oh, yeah, one that. of the first girls one, yeah. who I connected with. Um, she's part of our little little gang. And um, Jess does brilliant... So she does. She started on Twitter called Baby Loss Hour Live, where people can just use the hashtag, get involved, and they do different subjects every week. They have people come from different charities um, or um, experts... MPs, all kinds of people get involved talking um, on Twitter. And then she decided to turn it into live events. So I did the first one with her December last year um, in London. And we were supported by Tommy's and that was how we made it happen. And we, I begged for donations online. But Jess has since taken this around the country. So she did another one at the weekend. And um, generally they are free events unless uh they make you're asked to make a charitable donation for your ticket that goes to whichever charity is supporting um we did one i spoke on the panel at a few months ago for um teddy's wish which is a charity um set up by jen and her husband when they lost their son eddie and so Jess has started doing these events and it, the, the aim of them is entirely to bring 
all bereaved parents doesn't matter if your baby died two weeks ago or you know 20 years ago it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you know it's you had a miscarriage you experienced stillbirth you had to have a termination for medical reasons whatever it is everyone's welcome and everyone's stories mums dads you know everyone in let's go and let's talk about it and I just have to rave about her events because I was involved in the first one and then I spoke at another one and the atmosphere in the room of that sort of positive vibe and that togetherness is incredible what she's creating is a real community um, and a really lovely sort of feeling so the community is the good thing isn't it you know it's like like you said people out there who just know that they're supported by other people there are people like them yeah yeah Okay, we're moving on to some questions from the children at Winston's Wish now. Okay. Um, so I have three for you. The first one is, how do you make yourself feel happy when you are feeling sad? Oh, good question. Um, well, I have Boris, um, who is currently sleeping. Boris is my pug. For Boris anyone. is snoring for the um, listeners. <laughs> and, and if I'm totally honest, when I feel sad... I just go and give him a cuddle or pick him up or take him for a walk. And anybody who has a dog or maybe has a pug, they will know that you can't be sad when you have a pug around. How old is Boris? (laughs) He is four and a half. So we got him in the year before we had Teddy. Um, So he was one and a half when Teddy was born. And he has really been my reason to smile again. I I dedicated the book to him. That's not even a joke. No, I mean he has been that you know every day I would get up out of bed and I you know you feel purposeless and 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 he gave me a purpose he gave me a reason to get up that's a, a powerful tool when it comes to support oh my god they? yes yeah. and you you find that so many people who are bereaved and they've just lost a loved one get a pet they get a dog or they get a cat and I think it's that I think particularly with dogs that sort of companionship um you know and now for me I'm at home I work from home having him around is great I can never be sad when I've got him around you do also have a cat which um yeah I mean he greeted me on arrival he's he's nice sometimes he's mixed (laughs) (laughs) not as friendly as Boris Okay, moving on to question two. How do you think your grief has shaped you? Oh, wow. I think, how has it not shaped me, really? I think, and you can probably vouch the same. I think, as I said to you earlier, it's it's made me realise that anything's possible um, and not necessarily in the way that I was expecting. Um, And I think for that reason it makes me a lot more grateful for the things that I do have. That was something that I used kind of in the weeks and months after Teddy died. If I was having a difficult morning and I would get out of bed, I would start, I started by sort of listing things in my head, all the things that I did have, because that I thought was a really good way to get some positive energy. And then I would just walk around the house saying them out loud. You know, I have a loving family. I have a roof over my head. I have, you know, all these things. You know, I was having a good hair day. I have great hair. Shouting at you, know, all these things, and and it and I think when you start to be really aware of what you've lost, you become hyper aware of all the things that you do have, and you become really, really grateful for them so much more so than you were ever able to feel that gratitude before. The gratitude like, is is 
everything, isn't it? I mean, one of my Under earlier uh, one of my earlier guests, Sarah Conda, she she used to do with three things that she was thankful for, and now after our uh, chat she started to do them again and she's sharing them with her audience and exactly. I think that's really lovely because a lot of her audience are young sort of teenagers as well which I think it's really nice to put that message out there isn't it the gratitude absolutely and I think it's so British isn't it to not we don't we think we think that we're being smug or we're blowing our own trumpet by saying oh you, but you're not doing it in a I'm certainly not whenever I'm grateful for anything I'm not doing it and all look at me everything's so great and perfect because obviously my life is not great and perfect obviously I would give up everything to have my son here (laughs) who wouldn't um but I think when you and I'm not necessarily talking about material things but you know anything that you that you have that you're grateful for it's really important to 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 feel that gratitude and to share it with others and to you know, make other people think about what they have gratitude for. Um, so yeah, I think that for me is, I think when you feel the lowest low, suddenly when you are able to feel happiness again and you smile again, you feel that happiness and that smile right the way through you, like you've never felt it before. And suddenly you have a whole new perspective on what it feels like to be happy and laugh. So this podcast is obviously called Grief is My Superpower. And I think you encompass everything that that title means is because you've used it as a superpower. You've used it to help others. You know, your grief is, is being used to, I hope so. to make, you know, just to try and help people along who are going through a similar experience. And, and obviously that goes for, you know, all of my guests. But, you know, you just saying that kind of really struck a chord in terms of that, you know, why I decided to call it that. But it does, it, it is true though, isn't it? You know, I think when you have felt the worst and then you go on to smile again and laugh again, it's almost, it's quite invigorating, isn't it? Because you feel like, you feel invincible. You fit, you think, well, I've, I've walked through the flames. I've, I've done that and I can still laugh. I'm still standing here. This is amazing. Like I feel brilliant when I laugh and I'm, I'm happy now. And I think that... Maybe that is a superpower. I don't know. Yet to be proven. <laughs> okay, moving on to question three. So what do you do to remember Teddy? Now, you know, seeing you in Cornwall on, on social media and, you know, putting Teddy's name in the sand. I think yeah. that was beautiful, you know. That's a big so, one. Yeah, what sort of things do you... So that was something that we started in the Warriors group. Um, it, I can't remember. I think Michelle had, had gone on a... On an, uh, a trip across America after Orla died and um, Andy, her husband, was cycling down America. So he did the, the full length. Crazy. Um, husbands, eh? And uh, and she wrote all of the baby's names in the sand and she sent it to us as a picture in the WhatsApp chat. And then it just became this thing that we all did. We all just wrote their names in the sand or we wrote them on pebbles and left them on the beach. Or So that is I think a really lovely way and it's a really visual thing because for me I write Teddy's name in the sand obviously it makes me feel great but then I walk away and I think oh I wonder who will see that I wonder who will say his name out loud and and that's like a way of parenting him which I think is really nice and now I've sort of spoken about that more on social media and wrote about it in the book um I find people sending me pictures of their 
children's names that they've written in the sand or that they their friends children's names that they've written in the sand and said look what I did for my friend today and yeah that's that's brilliant I think that's a, a really lovely kind of way to remember and for everyone to remember no it's beautiful um okay one thing I'd realized we hadn't talked about is so I saw you with some headphones on the other day in a studio with a book in front of you yeah <laughs> when is this audio book going to be so the audio book of Ask Me His Name is coming out during Baby Loss Awareness Week. So Baby Loss Awareness Week, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um, starts on the 9th of October. It's the 9th till the 15th. Um, it was a little grumble from Boris. Um, the 9th to the, yeah, 9th to the 15th of um, October every year. And so we've decided to, or Audible have decided to launch the um, audio book for download on the 10th of October. So it will be available then. Um, and yeah. how did you find the process of, of doing the audio book? Because um, I'm guessing you need a lot of water and... Uh... Yeah, tissues, water. Um, so I've obviously waited to do it. Um, I could have done it sooner. But I didn't feel after writing the book and finishing it in beginning of April last year and then doing all the edits, um, you feel like you've read through it so many times, as I'm sure you know, and you think, I never want to read those words again. Um, And I think particularly when it's about something quite painful and you're revisiting really painful times in your life. Because when you are reading those back, you're not just reading them as a reader. You are playing those events back in your head. Yeah. And that, for me, was something that I couldn't read out loud. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. And so, yeah, I felt like I needed to be in a place where I felt able to do it and deliver it in the way I felt it deserved to be delivered. Um and so yeah so now was the time was right it was good it was um it was it was meant to be now and um and audible wanted to do it and i thought you know who better to do an audio book with because yeah so yeah so it was cool because i went to the um the studios and uh serious people record books at amazon audible like they have like a, a wall of pictures of people who'd been in those recording yeah, studios Stephen Fry and wow. you know Eddie Redmayne and like, like but proper people like yeah. proper people who like you know and then there's just little me with my headphones on sort of sitting trying not to cry too much so yeah but it was good and um actually I was talking about this with a friend yesterday it kind of felt like a form of for me closure on the book mm. um because I've read it all aloud beginning to end and even to feel how much further I feel I've come in my grief in that year and a half since I finished it is incredible. You've, you read all those things back and you think, wow, even in another 18 months, this feels different. That feels different. That's a really interesting way of looking at it as well, isn't it? Because you've obviously gone through the process of writing the book and now you're at the point where you are now, you know, and it is like the stages of... Yeah. It's like reading back an old experience. diary. Yeah. It's like reading back an old diary yeah. and going, what, did I really say that? Oh God, it's been published to the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> People buy this. <laughs> so yeah, it was, yeah but, it, yeah, but in a really good way, I felt like I got a lot of stuff straight in my head, mm. my own emotions, reading it back. Um, 
yeah and I understood a lot more about why I wrote things or why I said things so it was good and I I don't think it would have been appropriate or right for it to be read by somebody else I feel like it needed to be me telling the story um so yeah I hope people like it no it had to be you of course. <laughs> okay my final question to you is um when do you say Teddy's name and you think about Teddy how do you want to continue his legacy I think for us as parents so my, I always talk about this. My husband said in the kind of weeks after Teddy died, I never want him to be the reason that we don't. I want him to be the reason that we do. Probably the most poignant thing that my husband's ever said. Um, <laughs> probably the, maybe the only, you know. <laughs> um, but it was, and it was like this lightning bolt moment where I thought, God, you're right. I never want to be that woman Whoever one says, oh, don't say that to Elle because her baby died, or, oh, there's Elle, she lost her son. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be her. I don't want to fall into victimhood because our son died. I want him to be the reason that we do. So whether that's being able to say yes to something, to an invite, or whether that's being able to celebrate him through the fundraising that we do, or whether that's being able to just speak his name out loud to a random stranger and enable that conversation to go further so that other parents can do the same that's the best legacy like do you know what I mean that for me is his energy just continuing and hopefully helping other people so yeah it's sort of a bit of a hippy dippy around the around the corner answer but yeah that's, that's no, that sounds me. perfect and I think you couldn't do it any other way could you you know it's by, like we talked about earlier remembering how much you love him yeah. and continuing the conversation with people that you know you want to talk to him about exactly yeah. so this has been an amazing conversation I always say grief is individual and uh, we deal with it in our own way and I just want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast oh, and having thank me you. here today thank you for coming it's been a pleasure thank you so yeah. much <laughs>